This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception, the show. Matt, uh, interesting round of divisional games, but how are you feeling as we enter into the conference championships? Yeah, divisional round, I would say a little bit disappointing. Um, a little bit, uh, you know, you have one huge blowout um, with the number one seed Eagles taking it to just taking it to the Giants. You know, you have that one. I mean, the Bills-Bengals game didn't really live up to expectations. But I feel like, actually, there's a lot of interesting takeaways coming out of these games. Yes. More like big-picture things to talk about. Um, it seems like it's a it's apparently just referendum week on every single quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. So we can, we can get into all of that. Um, but, right, yeah, the right. actual games themselves, a little bit disappointing. The they discourse were. afterwards, a little bit maddening. Um, so yeah, we can, we can get into all of it. The, the wild card round, the games were just, I mean, ah, spectacular, right? So, so this better, was yeah. certainly, yeah, a, uh, a disappointing weekend in terms of competitive football. But, uh, as you mentioned, the storylines coming out of the games are, 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 vastly interesting as well. Uh, before we dive into those games though, Matt, uh, give the listeners a little bit of an update, uh, as to what we can expect, uh, from the charting data on receptionperception.com. Yeah, so I'd been kind of kicking this around because, you know, the first two years of the site, James, we've we've done things in, in a pretty pretty similar fashion, you know, in terms of the wave release. And I'm still going to be doing that. Like, guys will hit the site in certain waves. So typically it's been um, in mid-March. You get the relevant NFL free agents in, in sort of late April. It's been the prospects and then so on into May. You know, the previous season's rookies and priority young players in June and in July – like everybody else, basically. And then obviously throughout the summer, you know, as guys sort of pop in training camp, I'll add, add uh, you know, certain profiles and, and data to the site. This year, though, um, the free agent class, it's not very Not good. so much. Not so much. <laughs> 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 I've been in I've been in the lab already actually I've, yeah. I'm about halfway through Jacoby Myers I'm gonna start on some other guys but it's like damn dude after you get past I, I don't know Jacoby Myers you get past Juju it's like there's there's not not, there. not a lot to get excited about I mean we're talking about DJ Chark we're talking about Nicole Hardman you know um, yeah not not exciting so I've decided since that's not a great group um, really to get like hey sign up for a subscription and the first thing you're going to get is a bunch of stuff with uh the, like and and it's going to be a little while till you get anything else you're just going to get a bunch of like McCole Hardman and Alan Lazard data <laughs> yeah no no <laughs> not very you. sexy yeah, uh, no. so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bump up the first wave of guys March 6th I'm going to put relevant NFL free agents plus major offseason change impacted wide receivers such okay. as um, you know, Tampa Bay, they're going to be losing Tom Brady. Let's throw up the Chris Godwin, Mike Evans profile early. Let's throw up Calvin yeah, Ridley like from it. 2021. Throw that up early. How about, um, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he gets traded. 
let's throw up a DeAndre Hopkins profile uh, in mid-March. So we're going to do that. And also, this was something that was uh, highly requested by some folks in the Discord, and I think it's probably the right decision. Um, I'm I'm bumping up the uh, prospect drop date to April 3rd. So we're going to get prospects earlier than ever since I don't think I don't think I'll be spending too much time on the free agent crop of receivers. Uh, So, uh, you know, I'm already starting to get the film together for guys like Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, all that. So we'll be talking about prospects earlier than ever on the show. They'll be up on the site earlier than ever because, hey, James, you know this while every other NFL media member, fantasy football analyst is is planning their vacations for, you know, April, May, June. I'm I'm here at Reception Perception thinking about how how can I ruin my life for 12 months out of the year and make content for the people. So that's uh, that's a little announcement here off the top. Uh, just straight up in the lab, cooking it up, man. I love it. Uh, by the way, if you are an ardent Matt Harmon supporter, maybe you've noticed that the offseason content, that train has just kept on rolling. Uh, that's another big improvement in a, in a difference uh, between this uh, offseason and last offseason is that you're going to get a whole lot of stuff on the Matt Harmon YouTube page as well. So be sure to go check out his page on YouTube and you will find a bunch of uh, reception perception perception data clips from this show as well anyways uh all right let's get into it man so um the point that you and i were talking about uh and this was a i think an interesting narrative point is that all four of the teams that lost this past weekend really entered into the offseason with some serious serious question marks at wide receiver and they really i think for the most part need a a difference maker at that position. Uh, and I think that's something that you and I are, are simpatico with. Yeah, I think that was, um, it was a little glaringly obvious to me, I think. And of course, I'm thinking about wide receivers, you know, so maybe everybody else wasn't the first thing you thought about. But let's go kind of team by team here, starting with the obvious one, you know, the Giants. Look, we talked about Isaiah Hodgins on the show last week. I put up an Isaiah Hodgins reception perception profile. That's actually live on the site right now if you want to go check that out for all subscribers. Um, look, I, I like what I see out of Isaiah Hodgins, but I think in like a best case scenario, you're talking about a guy who might be a really nice number three receiver, maybe a low end number two, M- maybe I, I yeah. somebody asked me like what his profile compares to, like who his profile compares to. I, I threw out like some of the best years of Corey Davis, sort of like as a career barometer for, um, for, uh, for old, uh, Isaiah Hodgins there. Hmm. Other than that, I mean, I don't think you're counting on basically anybody else. Like I said, Darius Slayton's a free agent. Um, you know, they, are going to get Wandale Robinson back off a torn ACL, but you know, when is he going to be ready? He's probably a slot only player. You, maybe you have Richie James is still in the building, but they're kind of, I think of the four teams, they're certainly the, the most blank slate team of these groups here. Uh, and I think they could, re- I'm really, I, I, again, the free agent pool is not great. So how do they go about attacking that position? So let me ask you a question about the Giants, though. You you listed off three players that I, I think are, you know, solid, I think can be solid NFL contributors. You, you named Isaiah Hodgins, Wondell Robinson, and Richie James. Um, and Hodgins and, and, uh, and Richie James in particular really, I think, showed they've got some stuff uh, mm-hmm. in the last, you know, month of the season, right? Okay, well, now here's the problem for me, though. All these guys, to me, as profile as inside-type players. You know, Hodgins is a big body, uh, but I think where he has done really well 
and, and again, the the, the uh, maybe the profile um, will show different. But I, I just feel like he's done so much better against zone than man coverage. To me, he's not really a guy that can win a bunch of routes on the outside because he just doesn't have that speed. Okay, well, if that's the case, well, Richie James. I think is a capable yep. inside player as well. Okay. Then we got Wandell Robinson whenever he returns from his injury. He's I think profiles as an inside player. Me. So, yep. okay. So I mean, golly, they, they've got to start getting some outside relief here, especially with a guy like Daniel Jones, who I would anticipate the giants resign to a reasonable contract. But you know, the thing with Danny Dimes is man, he has been throughout his career, uh, shown a, a real strong proclivity to throw a nice deep shot too. So the the roster construction right now, I don't think plays to his strengths. And New York is busy. You know, they're, they're going to be busy this off season because they've got a lot to do. Um, they've yeah. got to. And I thought it was interesting, you know, sort of parsing the quotes from Joe Shane, their general manager, you know, his, his postseason presser. I thought it sounded much more likely and much more sort of, um, I think Connor Hughes, uh, who, who writes uh, for the New York teams, I think he put it like he sounded a lot more warm and fuzzy about Daniel Jones than uh, Saquon Barkley. And we know this yeah. is a this is a nuts and bolts salary cap based guy uh, in Joe Shane. And, and that was really why they brought I think it was a big incentive for why they hired him was because hey, you want to get this guy in here and, and clean up a really messy cap situation where they had to cut James Bradbury, who of course made some big plays against them in the playoffs it, to just to field an NFL team, just to sign the damn rookies last year. So I'm not surprised that he's not out there being like, you know what, Saquon heart, heart and soul of our team. Like we, he, we go as he goes, we're going to make sure he's right. back in the building, but what are they going to do about Saquon? What are they going to do about Daniel Jones? You know, how do they bring those guys back? And, you know, I, with your point on Hodgins, I do think you he did some good work on the outside, but it is mostly on intermediate routes, dig routes, uh, curl routes, outbreaking routes, not a lot of the quick separation on slant routes, not a lot of the uh, downfield separation at all. And I do think Daniel Jones throws a great deep over route, and I think he could probably hit those nine routes too. So, yeah, to me, I think they are in the market for – a big time X receiver. And I, again, it's just tough to, to find that it's not that, well, let me tell you what, that guy's not available in free agency. Um, mm -hmm. So do you look for a trade? Is there somebody in the draft um, that you're looking later, you know, in the first round that, that might be sort of that big outside the numbers vertical X receiver? Cause I think that's probably like, I think if you, if you have Hodgins as a guy who can move inside and out from the flanker slot position, you have all these slot options with, uh, maybe Richie James holds the fort down until Wandale Robinson's healthy. You know, maybe they're maybe they are a DeAndre Hopkins team, but that doesn't really necessarily fit with um, a, a, a team that's I, I still think is young and rebuilding. So yeah, what are what, even though they went to the playoffs, like what I don't know. Maybe Hopkins is sort of the finishing move there. I don't I don't know. I think they will be a team that sniffs around on some trade options for sure. Well, the funny thing is, I mean, we talk about Hodgins and Richie James. I mean, both guys are unrestricted free agents, man. Like they right. could be gone, you know. Well, like Hodgins is like a Hodgins is an exclusive rights free agent, right? Mm. Like because he's so young in the league, or at least he's a, at least he's a restricted. I don't like. I think Hodgins is the one I feel bit for sure is he'll be back because he's this is only his second season, right? And when when right. you can't be an unrestricted free agent, oh, until that's I right. Think you've had yep. four years exclusive in the league, right? Rights, so he, yep. Yeah, he'll he'll he that AKA he ain't a free agent is what exclusive <laughs> rights free agent means. Right, but he will he'll certainly see a little bump in pay for him. Uh, he made eight hundred seventy thousand yeah. dollars in twenty twenty three, so he'll he'll see a nice little pay bump, I think. 
2024. But yeah, I mean, I think Richie James, I mean, do they, I don't, I, I don't know. Does he sign know. for a, a very team friendly deal or where does he go? I don't, who knows what's going to be happening here, but, um, but yeah, what an, what a crazy summer that lays ahead here for the giants. No, I mean, what are they going to do with Saquon? As you mentioned, what are they going to do with these, you know, these two, you know, gems uh, in the rough that they found in Hodgins and Richie James, who again, I think can play at the NFL level, but, do they fit into what the Giants want to get done? They need to get team speed. They need to get team speed in the absolute mm-hmm. worst way possible, man. Uh, and yeah, the um, and I tell you what, man, I was impressed with uh, with what they did defensively this year too. Look, we talk about all the things that Brian Dable did offensively, man. But you know what, man, what Wink did for the defensive side, it's a unit that was not that good. I yeah, mean, really, they, from a talent perspective, they had, I mean, at best, B-minus talent level. And I thought they played well above uh, their talent level this year. And so I think the coaching staff just did a, a bang-up job with that team. Yeah, it was a great, great coaching staff. And um, do they lose Mike Kafka to a head coaching job? You know, Mike Kafka is a, That's a guy right. who's interviewing, interviewing with the Panthers. I know at least he's interviewing with Carolina, and um, he could be a guy that gets plucked. It's interesting, too, that um, this is off-topic, but – uh, the Giants, you know, back, deep backup quarterback Davis Webb has ex, is ex, expressing this today that he <laughs> right. wants to get into coaching, and right. I kind of think this might be a new trend that emerges because you think of Kafka is like mm-hmm. a not he's not one like I'm talking about the, the backups who aren't like Chase Daniel, you know, who could just coast forever in the league because he had a couple of good games and just make money. But the guys like Kevin O'Connell's another one, Mike mm-hmm. Kafka's another one, Kellen Moore was another one. Those guys got into coaching. Um, quickly like I mean I literally think Kellen Moore went from the practice field to coaching for the Dallas Cowboys um so these I I think that might be a new trend that emerges just speaking on Kafka like these guys that are are gonna fall out of the league like let me get into coaching early so that I can be a head coach by like the time I'm 36 or 35 like O'Connell and and Kafka probably will eventually fall in that footsteps but yeah busy offseason for the Giants that's for sure Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Uh, James Coe, Matt Harmon on Reception Perception, the show. If you enjoy the program, uh, we wouldn't hate it if you liked and subscribed to the podcast as well. All right, the big game on the docket, though, was Cincinnati-Buffalo. And boy, did that game not live up to the billing. What in the hell happened to Buffalo, Matt Harmon? They absolutely did a no-show 
uh, during the divisional round. It just was, it's baffling how bad they played in that game. You know, I wrote for Yahoo on Monday morning, and, and I, I feel really strongly about this, that I think Buffalo had been trying to tell us all year that we overrated their roster, that we overrated their um, chance at their, just their, their like all inness to win the Super Bowl. And then I think they really screamed it to us on Sunday. Like, I think they've been trying <laughs> to tell us all year. And then on Sunday, right. they really let us know for sure. And, I, you know, it comes back. There are obviously bigger problems, you know, with the or not maybe not bigger problems, but there are other problems with the Bills. I mean, the fact that they couldn't they couldn't get any pressure on Joe Burrow, despite the fact that he's playing with three backup offensive linemen, and they have invested. I know they have had injuries, obviously, chiefly that Tavon Miller was like their icing on the cake sort of signing there as a pass rusher, but they've invested a lot of resources in the defensive line and they couldn't touch him. I mean, they couldn't touch him at all, all afternoon for basically, um, you know, their, their defense has sort of been in a slight decline and doesn't show up in big games consistently uh, over the last probably two years for sure. Like I think that's a problem. I've, obviously their offensive line was a huge problem all year. I'm getting sick of the fact that they can't run the ball either and that they don't even like really try to run the ball I'm getting a little bit sick of that, but they're another team, a be, a, definitely less drastically than the Giants that we just talked about because they have Stefan Diggs, but they're another team that I think desperately needs to remake their pass catching court um, around Steph Diggs. Like Gabe Davis was, I, I know this is harsh, James, and I, 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 but I wrote this in my column. I said it in our Discord. Like Gabe Davis got steamed up fantasy draft boards because people don't watch film and they don't understand players, period. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's just that's just the truth of the matter. Cause you and I think the Bills, like they felt, but the Bills fell hook, light, and sinker for the playoff performance last year, too, because they rolled him out there as a number two receiver with no competition. He was a problem. Their slot receiver position was a problem all year long as well. Like they were just an easier offense to to defend than I think we expected heading into the year. So the Bills I mean, look, they have Josh Allen, they have Stefan Diggs. They'll be right back here next year. I, they don't have a ton of work to do, but I do think they have to take a hard look in the mirror about the guys that they roll out on offense around Josh Allen. You know, the defense, I think, just it doesn't – from a talent standpoint, they're there. I, they're A+. plus. You know what I mean? Sean McDermott, though, he absolutely, utterly dropped the ball. This is a defensive-minded head coach, and that defense absolutely stunk up the joint. Um, what I don't understand in regards to the bills is, okay, let's say you're, you know, you give up some broken play touchdowns to start off. You're out the jump. You're down 14 zippers, right? Okay, fine. Um, bro at halftime, you got to make some adjustments, right? Like maybe yeah. you say, ah, there were broken plays, you know, we'll just play our base defense and, and we'll get by. No. I mean, the rest yeah. of the first half, the Bengals did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. They ran the ball right down Buffalo's throat. Uh, and I think the passing defense this year took a huge slide as compared to last year. And I don't know, to be honest with you, look, Trey White is a great player, but him coming off that injury and them trying to incorporate him into this defense did not work, didn't work this down. year. It absolutely did not work. Um, and he was flat out a liability out there. And for whatever reason, the communication just is not there when they were trying to work in Trey White. And again, Tredavious, when he's healthy, is one of the top two corners in the NFL. I just don't think he was healthy. I don't think he was right coming into 2022. I'll tell you what just drove me nuts, though, is the fact that, okay, the Bengals have three backup O-linemen. 
Right. And realistically, you could say, well, they got two backup alignment because they haven't played with one of the starters for a real long time. Fine. Okay. But regardless, with the holes on the offensive line, the Bills blitzed on just 21% of the passing downs there against the Bengals. Look, this is not enough. It's just not enough. It's just not enough when. Joe Burrow is slicing and dicing you to bits. You got to make that. You got to make that defensive adjustment in the second half. And they absolutely did not. They played their base defense again and again and again. And when they needed stops, they still did not change anything up. You know, like come in with, come in with, 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 just go press at the line, you know, and, and blitz. Let's just see what happens. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know, man. To me, I just it, it was frustrating watching the game plan play out because they made zero adjustments. I thought Josh Allen had one of his worst games um, uh, all year long. I mean, you don't even need to go past you know the box score to know that he he played bad, right? Like 25 of 42, 265 through the air, no touchdowns, one interception, uh, 59% completion rate, a 68.1 uh, quarterback rating. None of that is good. Absolutely none of that is good. And he couldn't get out of the pocket. Eight carries for 26 yards. Like it was an absolute shutdown. By the way, the defensive coordinator, what's his name? Lou and I can't even. Lou Anarumo. Anarumo. I can never say his last name. Lou Anarumo. This guy needs to get some head coaching consideration. He has been playing, he has been game planning his ass off all year long. Remember when they lost Chidi Awuzie? They didn't miss a beat. They didn't miss I thought that would show up beat. particularly in this game, right? For for all the crap I just talked about Gabe Davis, we know he can rip it deep. Um, obviously, they have Stefan Diggs. Like, he can take a corner back to the woodshed, too, you know, especially on the outside. But I, you're, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Lou Anaruma because I think when you juxtapose how you talk about um, uh, Anaruma's defenses versus Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and what they're doing in Buffalo, you're so right that they go out there and they just run their stuff. And I think in today's NFL against the, some of the quarterbacks in the league right now, particularly Joe effing Burrow, like <laughs> if, on, you man. if you're not Make changing the picture, oh. if you're not changing the picture at the line of scrimmage, if you're just running out there and running the same stuff over and over again, you're going to get filleted. I mean, because this isn't so bad. I, I mean, you're going to give a single coverage on the outside. We'll just, we'll take it and rip it. Uh, we'll go down the field, but if you're going to, give us just like soft zone free releases. Like they'll take those little hitches to Jamar chase and stop routes all day to Jamar chase every single, they'll just go down the field. And like the first, nobody ever brings Jamar chase down in the first tackle attempt. He almost always breaks the first tackle. So he'll turn five yard stop routes into 10 yard gains and they'll just go right down the field. And that's pretty much exactly what happened during the game. So I, I agree that I think Sean McDermott has done a great job um, as the Buffalo bills head coach obviously. Um, but I think from uh, he comes from the Ron Rivera tree and like Rivera was the same way in Carolina. And I mean, McDermott was this way as a defensive coordinator in Carolina. And I think you could argue that Rivera has gotten this has done the same thing basically in Washington from a defensive standpoint. And obviously with Jack Del Rio there, it's just a run your stuff defense. And then you have guys like Lou Anarumo who remember the AFC championship last year that we're getting a rematch of in the first half, Mahomes was just cutting them up. And then they went to a lot of drop eight stuff. They, they right. you know, didn't send a change it up at halftime. They adjusted. Anaruma has been great at that. And then you look at these guys like Frazier and McDermott, who've, you know, sort of been around the block for a minute, especially Leslie Frazier has been in the, in the league for a while. You gotta, you gotta change the picture on these quarterbacks or, or you're, you're going to get smoked. 
I was just, it, I thought it was just baffling um, what they did. And you know what they've gotten by with Matt is just talent. You know, they've yeah. been so talented on the defensive side. So they've had, just... they've had injuries in the secondary too, beyond, mm-hmm. beyond just Tredavis white coming back from a torn ACL. Like for sure, obviously, um, you know, Micah, Micah Hyde's been out for a long time. Jordan Poyer missed time. You know, DeMar Hamlin was a backup. Obviously we know he's not playing right now. So um, they've had a lot of like rookies cycling in and out there. It's, it's been, and it's funny though because again, a lot of those McDermott defenses in Carolina, they would have just nobody's off the street coming in and playing. Like uh, they'd sign whatever old veteran quarterback was available, cornerback was available to play. They'd throw him in there. Um, you know, oh, you knew Rivera when he coached with the charter coached the Chargers ten years ago. Come on and play for us here for a minute. Whatever, <laughs> we'll throw you out there, and you'll have like a real solid season. Fine. And then we'll throw a bunch of fifth round picks at safety, and it'll be fine. But that was like. Eight years ago at this point, that yeah. was like eight years ago at this point. The quarterbacks are better now; they're smarter, and everything. It just like defenses has changed. So yeah, it's you're right. It's it's they have gotten by on talent, and then when they have injuries, this is the result. Yeah, it's just so bad. And and again, they they have arguably one of the best you know linebacking cores uh, in the NFL, and it just didn't matter. Not even in the run game. I mean, my God, even Joe Mixon oh, was yeah. just running wild on them. It just it made no sense to me. Um, I don't know, but going into the off season. Okay. So they need a number two, but Matt, I, I would almost argue that they really need a reliable slot guy that could just get open. Um, yep. and, and in a hurry, you know, like yeah. a guy that can just separate like in an instant, um, these long developing plays that, um, kind of sort of, I think feed into Josh Allen's bad tendencies, uh, again, they, they just need a clearer picture underneath for Josh Allen to kind of take what's available to him. And listen, he'll do that too. But right now they don't really got a guy. I think that can get open in the short, um, in the short area of the field quickly. Yeah. And I agree with you that it feeds into Josh Allen's worst habits because to start the year, it was like, man, and uh, you know, Alan said today, and he's talked about like the elbow injury and how that affected him, which we all knew. We all knew that was what was going to happen. Like as soon as the Bills got eliminated from the playoffs, <laughs> or they won the Super Bowl. It was gonna be, well, yeah. By the way, <laughs> by the way, Josh Allen's elbow has been bugging him all year, which is right. probably. A, it's, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not true, but we knew that was going to be the case because like as soon as he hurt the elbow, it's like okay, well, it's it's not like he's not. Jake DeLome or Ben Roethlisberger with his elbows but to fall off because he's an old man but it's probably yeah. going to bug him the rest of the year and I think objectively true like it, it bothered him the rest of the year but I agree with you that at the beginning of the year he was getting the ball to running backs you know he was targeting running backs at a higher rate than he ever had he had been sort of looking like all right I'm taking those those quicker hitting routes even if they're not perfect even if they're like Isaiah McKenzie or they're you know digs or whatever I'm not always looking for the deep shot but I think the more he played and the more the offense kind of fell into chaos mode, the more he just lived in chaos mode. I mean, some of like the game against the Dolphins was extreme. Like it's like settle down, man, and like take the check down. Stop <laughs> right, trying to exactly. you know throw go routes all over the place. Like give me a break. So I think it did contribute to Allen's worst habits. But yeah, it's it is tough how they attack the receiver position because now, I still like Khalil Shakir, and I think he showed some flashes, but we don't have a lot to go off to just be like, oh, Khalil Shakir will be our slot receiver next year. I think that would be kind of aggressive. But we we certainly don't – we don't need Cole Beasley back in the mix here. I mean, that was that was rough. <laughs> we don't need no Cole yeah. back there. Oh, God, you know who might be a really interesting fit here? What about Juju Smith-Schuster? What do you think about him playing uh, in this offense? I was thinking maybe – I mean, he might be priced out because, like, 
Jacoby Myers, I think, is a good, real, real good player. That's and, nice. and I think that and like yeah, he can beat man coverage more than Juju can beat man coverage. But I think he'll probably be priced. That's the problem. Is like now Josh Allen's contract like jumps up. Kicks you know in, now yeah. now it's it's going to be hard to go out there and like they're not going to make a Von Miller signing. That's for sure. But you know maybe a mid tier receiver like a Juju or a or a I mean Juju's just so limited. But I, I definitely think a Jacoby Myers would be really interesting. But yeah, I think. I do think because they have Shakir in the mix, like he might get interesting. But, um, and again, he's a prospect I liked. I think they're going to have to draft guys. Like that's the thing because you know we talk we're talking about how these teams that lost this weekend need help at wide receiver to varying degrees, and then you look at the teams that won this weekend. All of them have built these great, except Kansas City because they have Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> like don't right. ignore ignore whatever's going on in Kansas City <laughs> and don't try to replicate it because you don't have Patrick Mahomes. Period. Right. But like. You know, uh, 49ers, they drafted and developed Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk is still on a rookie contract. Philadelphia, um, they obviously traded for A.J. Brown, but they have uh, Devontae Smith, draft developed, rookie contract. And then, of course, in Cincinnati, draft developed Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins. T. Higgins. Both those dudes yeah. are on rookie quarterbacks. So, like, I think if you're a team like Buffalo, uh, yeah, you could keep throwing money at the defense. You got to get better there. You got to get better on the offensive line. But I would definitely spend, like, Maybe even like your late first round pick and get like who again, I'm not a super familiar with the prospects right now, but I would potentially think about going young and try to draft develop wide receivers to um, have them cost controlled while Steph Diggs is still making a lot of money. This is Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, a lot of big screen televisions in the Dallas area were destroyed <laughs> when the Cowboys oh, yeah. could not, uh, you know, get anything done offensively against San Francisco. What an absolute bizarre last play the Cowboys ran out there with Zeke hiking the ball. I, okay, I, sure. I guess if that's how we're going, I mean, it was already bad enough that Dak played one of his worst games of the season uh, in oh, that yeah. particular game. But then you cap it off with this just absolute bizarro play that just everyone's like, what are you, what are you guys doing out here? Uh, what an absolute uh, perfect ending uh, to a very up and down Cowboy season. But all, all the social media videos of, of these guys like punching their TVs, throwing their TVs out the window, driving over their TVs, ripping TVs out of the wall. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is this is how we get down in Dallas. I like it, man. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of angry Dallas fans out there after they lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you thought, losing and then uh making it embarrassing at the end last year with the quarterback draw is 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 embarrassing and memeable hold my beer how, how, how about zeke elliott on perhaps his last snap with the dallas cowboys getting drilled into the dirt hey at least at least he snapped it to him you know i mean shoot remember, remember a couple of years ago when like washington ran through five centers or whatever yeah i was thinking like hey maybe they could have just asked for zeke to snap the ball at least he got it to him <laughs> Um, anyway, anyways, po yeah. point of all, point of all that is to say, like, it just, it was an embarrassing way to end it, but it was a pretty embarrassing game offensively. And it sucks too, because I think Dallas's defense did its job. You know, Dan Quinn, oh my like, God, yes, absolutely. Good Lord. Yeah. You know, Dan Quinn, like if he gets a head coaching job, it's a lot of it's going to be because of what he did against this, this offense that we know throws a bunch of problems at you and Purdy has played well. 
um Purdy's even in this game like I know he there were some dropped interceptions and you know he's gotten lucky for sure but at this point he hasn't made that like back-breaking mistake or it hasn't been on the record it hasn't happened yet so um I thought Dan Quinn did a great job but the offense I mean look they're they again fit into this theme of teams that need to add wide receiver help CeeDee Lamb is a superstar player he's made that leap um but He's a guy they primarily use over the middle of the field. I'm glad they finally got him some X receiver routes in this game, you know, yeah. stacking guys on the outside and winning vertically. That was awesome. But it's just like Michael Gallup was never going to be ready. He was never going to be ready to be like a number two guy. And just, he was never going to be ready to, to be hundred percent this year. Like we're, we're just now getting towards like, Oh, he has, he had a surgery like a year ago. Didn't he have surgery like last February. So um we're we're a long way from him being 100 percent, and like they went in with just nothing beyond him so they need pass catching help and it and comes they back traded, that, why did they trade amari cooper for a fifth rounder like what that's just to me that's the that that was the one of the worst moves um in the offseason last year how does the how do the dallas cowboys give i mean just give away Amari Cooper for a fifth rounder. That is just baffling. And and I think to yeah. your point, that showed itself in this game. I mean, I don't know, man. Dak looked lost because yep. there was extreme zone coverage out there and he didn't know where who the hell was open. Um, and he tried to force fit some balls and probably shouldn't have. And, um, you know, Michael Gallup could have fought off one, maybe interception or whatever it was. Definitely, but the bottom yeah. line is... Uh, there was nobody open because in San Francisco, by the way, um, they blitzed like, I think it was 12% of the time, right? Because they just dropped back. I mean, every single time it's like, Hey Dak, if you're going to beat us, go ahead. But uh, we, we don't think, we don't think you have the guys that can get open. And also we don't think you have the vision to get the guys open either. Right. So, um, I thought the Niners came in with a great game plan defensively. I agree with you. And, um, you know, they have Fred Warner, who's like Fred Warner getting like running with CD lamb down the field from the other hash, like is just crazy stuff, crazy. you know, but that's the sort of, those are the sort of routes and the plays and the areas of the field where CD lamb does most of his damage. But San Francisco is uniquely equipped to take those away because of Fred Warner and what he does as a coverage player. Um, so I think they had supreme confidence that they ca- they could take care of this Dallas offense. And yeah, coming back to Dak, like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, look, the reality, it's like the reality of the Dak stuff is that spending a bunch of time on, on Dak and, and breaking down the performance and how disappointing it is. It's almost like, what's the point? Because Dak is still like somewhere between, I don't know, the eighth and 10th best quarterback in the NFL. And he's going to make what he's going to make. And like, who cares? But, um, they're not going to like Dak Prescott's going to be a starting quarterback for the Cowboys next year. Probably going to be a starting quarterback for the Cowboys after that. But I do think we're, uh, yeah, I mean, like he's just, he's going to be starting quarterback for the Cowboys, but he is what he is, man. He's, he's 30 years old now. He was the oldest starting quarterback that that played last weekend, which is crazy, but that's crazy. He is what he, he is what he is. And I don't think that, like, I think you have to be realistic about that again. Like you can't roll Dak Prescott out there and say, Hey, you've got CD lamb and Dalton Schultz and like, a 50% 60% Michael Gallup and um Tony Pollard and like go to work. I think I don't you can ask you can correct me if I'm I'm wrong about this. You know, we talk Dak specifically or generally 
Because I think the same thing is said about Josh Allen too. Like I think we expect quarterbacks to solve too many problems. I know they make all this money and I get that. And and like, you're going to have to sacrifice in other areas of the roster, but I think teams look at it like, Hey, we have Dak Prescott, like he'll solve, he'll solve our problems, but he won't like we've seen that. And especially for Dak. Cause I think again, he's somewhere between seven, eight, nine, ten in terms of the quarterback rankings. You can't just have him go out there and, and, elevate everybody because you got to have guys that are going to help him because there are throws he can't make there there are i mean he doesn't have he never had the strongest arm he's is his after injuries is 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 his physical skill set declining he doesn't move and run like he used to. right that's i think a big part of it too so i think teams in general and it definitely i definitely feel this way after the weekend i think i think we ask like too much we put too much responsibility on the on the shoulders of the quarterback to just solve all the other problems. Whereas again, these teams that are moving on from the divisional round, they give answers to their quarterbacks based on the offense that they run and the skill position players that they put around. them. You know, what's really disgusting and dis- disappointing about that is that it's like, it's almost as, as if the front office asked the quarterback to do more than the coach, which is such a problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, for me, it's like, you remember when we were going back and forth or people were going back and forth about the, the whole Cincinnati um, drafting Jamar Chase. Oh, should they have gone with offensive linemen? Uh, should they have gone Jamar Chase? And they went with Jamar Chase. And you and I both loved it, um, not just because of the whole wide receiver thing, but just because now they have a strength. Now they yeah, all of a sudden exactly. have something where they are strong, right? Where you it's like, OK, well, if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to beat them this way. You know what I mean? Yep. And it, because it, it paints a very clear picture um, as to the team building aspect beyond that. And, and when I when I bring it back to the coaching side of it, the reason the Bengals have done so well is that, OK, so now they've invested all this, all these assets, money, whatever it is on the offensive side of the football. OK, well, now we're asking the coaching staff to do their part and to lift the guys that they have on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, you know, their D.C. Lou Anarumo has done that. Right. But I find it interesting and it's baffling to me when other teams spread it all around and they ask their quarterback to do more with less when it's really like, no, 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 no. You should build a strength. If you've got a quarterback, if you're lucky enough to have a Josh Allen, just build that side of the ball up, man. And then now you've asked your defensive minded head coach, Sean McDermott, who, Oh, by the way, comes from that defensive side of the football. Hey, listen, he's got to do his job now and coach these dudes up. Like, I don't understand. Why are we asking Josh Allen to do more than Sean McDermott? Like, why, why are we asking him to do that? It just doesn't make sense to me. It's a fair point. And again, I, I know these guys make a ton of money and like, okay, well they have to shoulder more responsibility. I get that, but in a, in a weird way, it's like, does the quarterback raise the ceiling or does the quarterback raise the floor of the, um, of the, of the offense? Because let, let me tell you what, buddy, you take Dak Prescott out the Cowboys offense. I, it's kind of weird though. Cause they, they, did <laughs> I was just going to say, let me, let me, let me stick with the Josh Allen analogy. If you take, okay. Okay. But if you take Josh Allen out of the bills offense, that, I mean, that team's going to be tough to watch. You're going to have, oh, you're going to have, yeah, they're winning. They're winning four or five games at most. Yeah, exactly. You have case Keenum and, uh, and Stefan Diggs trying to make magic from Ugh, their Minnesota gross. days. Yeah. Hey, man. Case Keenum did did he's did he did throw the did did throw the uh, Minneapolis miracle to Steph Diggs. So uh, there's at least something there. But still, I mean, imagine 
imagine the way Buffalo like calls plays and pretty much it's like, Hey, Josh Allen, go figure it out, buddy. Um, <laughs> what do you, what offenses can Dorsey running with old case Keenum back there? But um, yeah, no Dallas is particularly weird because I think that Dak Prescott has these high, high moments. Yes. Um, like look at the bucks game, the bucks yes. game. He had like the sixth best EPA of Looked any awesome. quarterback in the playoffs ever. Right. Like, or right. since 2006 or something like that, whatever point is he was incredible. And I also thought Kellen Moore called a great game in that one, but you, can you ever get these guys like on the same like wavelength or when one is good, can the other fall back, but the other is so good that he lifts the other up or do they always have to go together? And I know it's hard to, hard to parse. Right. But like, it just feels like they never are um, – they're never totally in sync. And, and how much of that is Mike McCarthy? I don't know. Um, but, look, it's 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 tough. But I, I do think that Dak – like, I don't know that this is a referendum game on Dak or anything like that because this is just who Dak Prescott is. And when you don't surround a guy of this level with adequate players around him, I think you get the results that you got with Dallas this year, which was at times – they blew away bad teams. They He's right. such a good pre-snap. Pro- I do think what he gets underrated for is he's a good pre-snap processor. He can get you, if he can get you the good first read right away, he'll find matchups. He'll dictate stuff to bad defenses. That's great. But it's when you have to get him thinking, when you have to get him, um, and I'm not saying he's stupid or anything like that, but you know what I mean? Like he's late on throws. He's late on reads sometimes. And that causes these tight window throws, these interceptions that we saw this year. So it's like, they're always just going to be a little inconsistent unless you surround them with a lot of great players, which I think is going to be part of Dallas's offseason uh, to-do list. So again, I uh, talk about the, the zone defense coverage for the 49ers. They ran zone defense against Dak and Dallas 97% of the time. So nearly wow. every snap yeah. was a zone coverage read uh, for Dak Prescott. And to your point, it's like, okay, he does all this you know, pre-snap processing to make sure that his first read is a good read. Okay, but the problem is when you have the 49ers with the speed that they have, especially at the linebacker position, taking away a lot of those first reads, now what are we left with? Now we're left with guys like Michael Gallup who are having trouble separating, guys like T.Y. Hilton who are literally coming off the couch trying to separate (laughs) over the top. You've got Noah Brown who, look, I like Noah Brown, but he's like a third, fourth, you know, complimentary piece at best. He's a guy that, you know, if you can find the right matchup, okay, you could throw him the ball, right? But but certainly not a guy that you're, you're expecting to win consistently, right? So... They had C.D. Lamb. By the way, C.D. Lamb had a great game. You know, great yeah, game. Double-digit receptions, over 110 yards receiving. But then who else was there? Dalton Schultz had five catches for 27, and he was the second leading receiver. C.D. Lamb at 117. Can't get the his next... foot down in bounds either, by the way. Uh, exactly. Oh, and just, by the way, didn't fight to get out of bounds. Like, talk about two brain-melting plays on back-to-back plays for Dalton Schultz. Yeah. If they bring him back, I would be absolutely floored. Like, do, do not bring back Dalton Schultz. Not because of, listen, and it's not just because of those two, you know, like, brain-breaking plays that he had at the end of that game. It's not because of that. But he's a guy. Don't yeah, overspend got other guys on a guy. You know, like, I look at, by the way, if we're, if, if you know, for the people who are interested in Dynasty, I think that they let Dalton Schultz walk because he's on a one-year deal. This kid, Jake Ferguson, he is, I'm telling you, to me, he's like, 
baby Mark Andrews. I love mm. this kid, Jake Ferguson. And if they give him the opportunity, if Dalton Schultz walks, watch Jake Ferguson next year blow up. Um, but I think he's, I think he's a better athlete, uh, a better pass catcher. He, he's just a better all around offensive player than Dalton Schultz. I, I just, I really hope that Dallas does not do the stupid thing and overpay, um, for the services of Dalton Schultz. But regardless, neither here nor there. Hey, just, just, just yeah, I like, ahead. I like your note there just real quick. Doesn't it always feel like Dallas has like some, ever since Jason Witten and even sometimes right. when Jason Witten was involved in the mix, it's like. They've always got some rando tight end, like just popping it. I mean, <laughs> even Dalton Schultz lurking. wasn't. Yes, he was where total was Dalton random. Schultz? Where was he even drafted? I mean, I don't even know. But I mean, they, you always have these guys, um, you know, that pop up, uh, kind of not like I said, out of nowhere ish or whatever. Yeah, Dalton Schultz, he's a fourth round draft pick out of Stanford. Uh, so, you know, okay. Uh, but they had before that, they had that guy, Blake Jarwin. That's who it was. Um, they yeah, had Blake Jarwin. Yeah, remember, because remember he was a he was a mad sleeper, and and I think he tore an ACL, and that's yeah, that's when Dalton Schultz popped up. Yeah, exactly. Then it was then it just became oh well, let's just take our gaze from old Schultz or old uh, old uh, you know Blake Jarwin and turn it to to Dalton Schultz, uh, and then they had that guy that never really happened, but. Um, they had that guy uh, Rico Gathers. He popped oh, up. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's out right. of nowhere ish. Um, and then you know they had a. I know Gavin Escobar actually tragically passed away uh, somewhat recently or whatever, but he was another guy that that was like that too. That just kind of popped up randomly for the Dallas Cowboys for a few from 2013 to 2016. Um, he would just pop up kind of behind uh, Jason Witten there. So it feels like. They've always had these guys like that are just popping in randomly. And maybe that's a, maybe that is a Dak thing, by the way, that, oh, hey, like I, I like, he just throws to tight ends. He likes tight ends. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. That's interesting. I like that call, though, that, oh, they, they're probably just going to let Dalton Schultz walk and then it'll be Jake Ferguson or hasn't, they have that guy, Hendershot. Hendershot, too. Every yeah. Now and again. It'll, <laughs> it'll probably be a fight between old, uh, like fantasy Twitter as to who's the sleeper. Henry right. shot or Ferguson as the right. next That's rando exactly Dallas right. tight end. Look, them losing Tony Pollard, obviously did not help their offense at all. But, um, yeah. but the bottom line was, man, it was an absolutely embarrassing performance offensively for the Dallas Cowboys. They certainly need to address, uh, that wide receiver room. So I think that is absolutely, uh, positively the right call for them to do, uh, try to address it in the draft. I don't know what the hell they get, uh, in free agency, as you mentioned, free agency pool looking pretty thin right now. Anyways, conference championship weekend is upon us. If you like the show rate and subscribe to the show, James Co. Matt Harmon, reception perception, the show. We'll catch you guys next week. See ya.